0: hey guys welcome to the bitcoin fortress podcast helping you increase your financial freedom this is episode 66 recorded on may 28th 2023 I uh, hope you're enjoying a nice long memorial day weekend if you're in the u.s uh, this podcast is for entertainment only and is not investing advice so do your own homework lots of interesting stuff to cover this week so we'll jump right in first with the market update from last week stocks rallied friday on rising optimism that dc lawmakers will reach a deal to raise the u.s debt ceiling led by the tech heavy nasdaq which closed at its highest level since august Two-year U.S. Treasury yields rose for an 11th straight session after the latest government data showed inflation picking up more than expected. And Federal Reserve Bank President Loretta Mester said she would not rule out another rate hike next month. Investors also digested new inflation data on Friday. Government statistics showed that the PCE price index, a favorite measure for the Federal Reserve, rose 0.4% in April compared to the previous month, higher than economists had projected. On a year-over-year basis, the PCE price index climbed 4.4%. The same report showed that personal income rose 0.4% compared to the previous month, which, while spending rose 0.8%. Yet the rally in stocks was undeterred, with investors eager to add to positions ahead of the Memorial Day holiday weekend. For the full week, the Dow Jones Index lost 1%, but the S&P edged up 0.3% and the NASDAQ jumped 2.5% for a fifth straight week of gains. Looking ahead, investors head into next week positioned as if the U.S. debt ceiling crisis will be resolved one way or another, Uh, and as it turned out it was. I'll be going over that too um if that's the case the tech sector could be a major focus after nvidia recorded the single biggest one-day market cap rise in the history of the market with its post-earnings surge in share price of more than 25 percent it is likely the debate on nvidia to ratchet up following the ai inspired rally um The major economic release of the week will be the May jobs report on June 2nd, a drop in monthly payroll additions to 180,000 from 253,000 in April is anticipated and the unemployment rate is seen inching up to 3.5% from 3.4%. Average hourly earnings are forecast to decline to a plus 0.3% pace from plus 0.5% in April. The jobs report will arrive less than weeks before the next FOMC meeting and is likely to kick off more debate on if the Fed will raise rates again. All right, jumping into Bitcoin news then. Uh, first up, as I mentioned earlier, uh, is uh, this is was on bitcoin.com and uh, this is entitled Biden Republicans strike tentative deal to raise U.S. debt ceiling. After weeks of negotiations which put an end to a months-long stalemate, the White House and Republican leadership of the House of Representatives now have an agreement in principle on a deal to raise the debt ceiling in the U.S. for two years and limit budget spending. This, the agreement has been reached by President Joe Biden and House Speaker Kevin McCarthy during a phone call on Saturday. Both sides are now facing the difficult task to convince the Republican-controlled House and Democrat-dominated Senate to back the deal in Congress before June 5th. On that date, the U.S. government could find itself unable to pay its bills, according to Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, who just updated her projection on Friday. Yellen had previously estimated that the United States could default on its debt obligations as early as June 1st. We've come to an agreement in principle. We still have a lot of work to do, but I believe this is an agreement in principle that is worthy of the American people, McCarthy told reporters, quoted by CNN. In a tweet, he accused the U.S. head of state that he wasted time and refused to negotiate for months. President Biden confirmed the deal on Twitter, too. He remarked that the agreement is a compromise that would not make everyone happy, but emphasized it is good news for the American people because it prevents what could have been A catastrophic default and would have led to an economic recession Joe Biden urged both chambers of Congress to pass the agreement right away negotiating teams are expected to present the finalized text of the legislation on Sunday and McCarthy said he will likely speak with the president again in the afternoon If approved by lawmakers and with the House vote expected on Wednesday, the agreement would increase the limit for the US government's 31.4 trillion debt through January 2025, postponing future clashes over the ceiling between the Democrats and Republicans beyond the 2024 presidential election. It would also cap spending in the 2024 and 2025 budgets, Reuters reported. And according to a source familiar with the negotiations quoted by CNN, non-defense spending will be capped to the current levels for next year and increased 1% in the following year. In case Biden signs it into law before the approximate default date, Washington would avoid a potentially unprecedented crisis with unpredictable consequences for the world economy, as the U.S. government has never before (coughs) defaulted on its obligations the threat of a recession has sparked reactions across the globe, while the credit rating against agency Moody's labeled the potential U.S. default a near-term danger to the dollar's position. China's Tianjin International Credit Rating Agency downgraded the United States credit rating this week. Crypto markets reacted positively to the news of the deal reached in the U.S. capital, with the price of Bitcoin rising by around 2% in 24 hours to over 27,000 at the time of writing and that of other uh ether uh, the second largest crypto by market cap increasing by nearly 1% to almost $1850 per coin. Um and yeah the the memes were flying after this announcement last night uh, of the money printer um What effect this will have on markets is a little uncertain. I think there's some folks that say, oh, the stock market's gonna rally uh, and then sell off. Um, Some people are saying there'll be no change to liquidity, which is really what drives the markets. Uh, And others are saying that liquidity will drop because the government's gonna sell all these bonds and money's gonna go into that and not into other things. Um, so smart people can't agree on what's going to happen, bottom line. So, you know, from an investing standpoint, it's just better to, you know, be prepared for, for anything. Um, but, you know, the way I look at this is, uh, the government spends more than it takes in and that's right now tax receipts are probably going to go down because everybody's, you know, especially in the stock market, uh, they got hammered last year. Uh, this year hasn't been that great either for people. Uh, but even if tax receipts go up a little, uh, they're still spending uh, more than they take in. So that increases the deficit that puts real money into the economy, which drives inflation. Uh, and of course they're printing more money in order to, um, in order to, to fund this essentially by borrowing and, uh, the fed is bidding on, um, you know, still buying bonds, even though they're, they're letting some roll off. So, uh, I think this continues, this basically doesn't change anything. And therefore the thesis for owning hard assets, uh, you know real estate, gold, silver, Bitcoin, for sure, uh, is still very much intact. And, um, you know, stocks might do well, but, you know, there's a lot of people that are afraid of the stock market. You know, they see very narrow uh, participation. And um, obviously, NASDAQ is doing very well because of, you know, the whole AI hype. Um, But a lot of other stocks are lagging. Um, The economy seems to be not really robust, but it's also not in a recession. It's just kind of plunking along. So until the recession shows up, uh, there really isn't any type of, uh, signal to investors to, to sell everything, to dump everything. And, uh, you know, it seems like that keeps getting pushed out. So, uh, so there's just a lot of mixed signals, but I think uh, you know uh, this debt ceiling deal is clearly bullish for Bitcoin in the long term because it signals that there's really no change that we're going to continue to uh, live beyond our means as a country. Uh, there won't be any uh, any austerity or taking any medicine here, which, by the way, would would be bad for the economy, right? Because you know. Um, uh less money going into the economy means it drives less economic growth even though it's coming from an unproductive source which is the government so uh that is the significance of this piece uh the next uh, article is from bitcoin.com um and uh this was uh, t- entitled Moody's on de-dollarization rating agency labels US debt default a near-term danger to the dollar's position now it looks like they may have avoided that with the uh, debt ceiling deal but I think the discussion in here is worthy of note because um, you know they'll they'll have to revisit this again in a couple of years so uh, this this sort of kicks the can down the road on a on a on a default but I think the conversation is still relevant so the article goes into it it says the global credit rating Rating agency Moody's has said, while the specter of U.S. dollar losing its dominance is real, at the moment there are no viable alternatives to take its place. In a note reportedly released on May 25th, Moody's insisted that the current rivals to the greenback, such as the euro and the Chinese yuan, will not be able to quickly match the core traits that made it the most dominant currency. As has been reported by various media outlets, including Bitcoin.com News, the dollar's long-standing position as the world's reserve currency is being threatened by countries that are seeking to create an alternative global currency. The calls for the establishment of a rival to the dollar are being propagated by countries that accuse the U.S. of abusing the greenback's dominance. Led by Russia, these countries have proposed several steps, including the creation of a BRICS or Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa currency. However, according to Moody's latest note, none of the proposed or current rivals to the dollar are backed by an economy as big as that of the United States. In addition, none of the dollar's current rivals is anchored by a treasury market that compares to that of the U.S. both in terms of depth and perceived safety. The note nonetheless still warned of factors that pose a real threat to the U.S. dollar's position. The note said the greatest near-term danger to the dollar's position stems from the risk of confidence sapping policy mistakes by the U.S. authorities themselves, like a U.S. default on its debt, for example. As has been reported by Bitcoin.com News, the U.S. Congress's inability to agree on a deal that raised the debt ceiling to $31.4 trillion could result in the United States government failing to meet its obligations. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen has warned of an economic catastrophe if the U.S. government defaults. Meanwhile, Kristalina Georgieva, the head of the International Monetary Fund, warned of a major disruption to the world economy if the United States government defaults. The U.S. Treasury market is the anchor of stability for the global financial system. You pull the anchor of the world economy, the ship on which we all travel is in choppy and even worse, uncharted waters. The IMF chief said on May 26. Uh, and then it goes on to say that at the time of writing, the talks between the U.S. parties were said to be continuing. However, prospects for an agreement were reportedly still slim. Well, of course, that's old news now. They they did reach a deal. Um, but I would have to agree with this article. Uh, you know, in terms of the dollar, uh, there really is no um, good alternative to the dollar currently in the world and but you know uh, fiat currencies don't last forever um you know they 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 rise they have their peak and then they decline and then a new one takes over and and you see that throughout history uh dutch gilder british pound us dollar so uh but for now there's really no other alternative, and um and so uh you know it's probably not going to be challenged by any other country for a while. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the currency is going to continue to hold its value because the policymaking out of the United States, as evidenced by the latest debt default that I just talked about, or the latest um, debt ceiling deal that I just discussed, is uh, business as usual. It's, you know, we're going to keep spending at basically the same rate. We're going to grow spending in certain areas like defense and, uh, tax receipts aren't, taxes aren't really going up, uh, that much. So, uh, you know, tax receipts should stay the same and therefore deficits, uh, most likely will stay the same or grow. And, uh, you know, uh, there effectively is no cap for the next two years either, which is something a little something that some people may not have focused on too much which means that uh while it's expected that there could be a couple trillion dollars added to the to the u.s uh to to the outstanding debt or you know into the deficit over the next two years it could be more (laughs) so um so that policy making doesn't change that means that you know you don't want to hold dollars. You want to be invested in assets uh, because, in, you know, inflation is still there. It hasn't really gone away. It's, it's going to probably continue to be persistent. Maybe not high, hyperinflation, inflation, but it'll be persistently higher than the two percent or whatever. Uh, and so, um, you know, it doesn't really change much. And so. Uh, That's, you know, kind of from an investor's perspective, that's kind of how you have to look at things. And that's why you you want to continue to put money into Bitcoin, you know, dollar cost average over time. And of course, uh, other uh, investments um, to protect your purchasing power from the inflation, which, which isn't going away. But, you know, will the U.S. dollar eventually collapse? Probably. But, you know, when? Maybe not in my lifetime, maybe in the next 10 years, who knows? Um, so you just kind of have to, to play it out as as things play out. Uh, this next article is out of uh, CNBC. Um, this was published on May 23rd, entitled Bitcoin Climbs Back Above $27,000 After Hong Kong Greenlights Some Retail Crypto Trading. I thought this was an interesting from the standpoint of Bitcoin adoption. Uh, Since China sort of chased Bitcoin out of the country, uh, you know, a couple years ago Um, So the article goes into it says cryptocurrency prices moved higher on Tuesday after Hong Kong securities regulator announced that it will allow retail trading of certain crypto assets starting June 1st. Bitcoin rose 1.7% to 27,293.64 according to coin metrics the largest cryptocurrency has been trading in a small range throughout May, struggling to break above 30,000 but staying above 25,000. Ether advanced nearly 2% to 1851.91. Uh, late Monday night, Hong Kong's Securities and Futures Commission said it would allow retail investors to trade certain crypto assets beginning next month on registered trading platforms. The move was widely expected, with the announcement marking the end of a request for public comment. It put out in February on its proposed regulatory requirements around retail trading and crypto. The new guidelines are part of a broader effort of Hong Kong's to become a global crypto hub. That ambition is in sharp contrast with China, which banned crypto trading in 2021, as well as in the U.S., where the regulatory stance toward crypto has turned hostile since the collapse of FTX. This news doesn't mean that a flood of retail buying power will enter the market at the beginning of June. We could see some volume uptick in June, however, said Noel Atchison, economist and author of the Crypto is Macro Now newsletter. Hong Kong's Securities and Futures Commission has already licensed two digital asset platforms, OSL and Hash Blockchain, and it's likely some more already actively trading offshore, Atchison said. Owen Lau, an analyst at Oppenheimer, called Hong Kong pretty aggressive for trying to become a crypto hub. It will continue to capture the attention of the community and attract more firms to set up offices in Hong Kong, he said. It's hard to gauge the exact impact, but it has a long-term effect on capital flow and talent movement. Although the price move is small... The news comes at a time when the market is lacking in big catalysts and trading has hit a lull. Furthermore, while investors monitor the debt ceiling negotiations and rate hike expectations move up, Bitcoin has started behaving like a risk asset again, just as it was starting to trade more in tandem with gold. Bitcoin and Ether are on pace for their worst month of 2023, down 7.6% and 3.1% respectively. Bitcoin is down 4.5% for the quarter after finishing the first quarter up 71%. Ether is up 1% after it posted a 52% gain in Q1. Next article uh, is, yeah, I don't really like talking about price too much, but I thought, you know, this, this one was kind of interesting. Uh, this is from Cointelegraph, posted on uh, May 27th. Articles entitled Bitcoin Holds 200 Week Average as Trader Says Inflection Point is Here. Uh, Bitcoin held its most recent gains into May 27th as traders called for a change in bearish market sentiment. Um, data from Cointelegraph, Markets Pro, and TradingView followed Bitcoin USD as it entered the weekend at around 26,700. The week's macroeconomic data from the united states had ended with a surprise as a new personal consumption expenditures index print showed the economy weathering tighter financial conditions much better than expected markets then began to price in a june interest rate hike from the federal reserve which should form a headwind for risk assets but failed to dampen a bitcoin price rebound despite the price comeback however the mood remained overly cautious for some Retail is so extremely bearish on Bitcoin and crypto; it's almost insane. Michael Van Depop, founder and CEO of trading firm Eight, argued, "Quote: People are stuck in the 2022 mindset." Popular trader Skew noted Bitcoin's strong reaction at the 200-week moving average near 26,000, with more key trendline challenges now in the making. Price trying to reclaim a hunt. 100-day moving average after a nice move up from 200-week moving average. Price is currently pinned between four-hour EMAs and one-day EMAs. Analysis of the four-hour Bitcoin US dollar chart stated the day prior. He says, quote, expecting a pretty major move soon. Inflection point is here, in my opinion. Additional insights included that froth had cleared from exchanges along with over $300 of open interest on the largest volume exchange, Binance. Q is not uh, the only well-known voice calling for a pronounced shift in Bitcoin price behavior next. This week, Checkmate lead on chain analyst at Glassnode predicted big moves coming. A subsequent overview of some key on-chain metrics presented Bitcoin US dollar at a decision point. Fellow trader and analyst Wrecked Capital, gotta love that name, stated that additional strength was still needed to flip the trajectory in the bull's favor. Bitcoin is still in the middle of, a, of the red downtrending channel, just consolidating here with the red resistance area above the crucial one to beat if sentiment is to decisively shift in the short term, he wrote, referring to a chart of one-day time frames. By the way, I'll put links to all these articles I'm going over in the show notes, so if you want to look at the charts. Uh, they'll be in the articles. Uh, that chart also showed the bearish head and shoulders pattern, something wrecked Capital previously warned could result in a longer-term bearish phase, including a trip towards 20000 So, once again, the bulls and bears both have their opinions. Nobody can agree. Um, stay humble. Stack sats. That's all you got to do. Uh, the next article I'm gonna go over is an opinion piece. Um, and this is from uh, Coindesk. And it's enti- and it's uh, by David Morris and it's entitled WorldCoin and the Intellectual Decline of Venture Capital. Uh, and the subtitle here is Sam Altman. By the, and by the way, he's the founder of, of uh, OpenAI, which is makes ChatGPT. Uh, His spectacularly ill-conceived biometric data project just raised $115 million. Digging into the deal is embarrassing for basically everyone. And uh, this actually has been talked about quite a bit in the community. I listened to it on uh, uh, Marty Bent's uh, uh, TFTC uh, podcast where um, him and Matt O'Dell talked about it, um, you know, pretty much trolling it <laughs> it's a bad idea um but it's just interesting to see how there's still money chasing um you know sort of dystopian uh deals and so anyway we'll jump into this so yesterday the company behind the sam altman fronted Worldcoin project announced it had raised 115 million dollars in venture capital the raise looks like an Atavistic last gasp for the kind of prestige-driven slot machine structured Silicon Valley fundraising fostered by a decade of cheap money. Because whether on ethical or financial grounds, there seems little rational explanation for supporting the project. To review, Worldcoin's pitch is essentially twofold. At its core is the orb. Uh, their their description, their descriptor. A device that scans the retinas of users so they can later confirm their identity online. The WorldCoin token, in turn, is intended to be distributed as a form of universal basic income and is currently being offered as an incentive for early eyeball scan volunteers. Just one of many missing premises around WorldCoin, though, is it is unclear how the WorldCoin token could be expected to have any value for recipients once it circulates. It is extremely difficult to imagine how. What amounts to an Ethereum-based meme coin with no apparent tokenomic model is going to be exchangeable for essentials like food and shelter over the long term. That makes it easy to deduce that the UBI element of the project is simply window dressing for its real goal, solving the problem of digital identity. But in fact, WorldCoin's approach to that problem is equally terrible, presenting a dazzling array of privacy risks and moral entanglements. The duality of just is just one example of the deviously incoherent mess of Mott and Bailey rhetoric being used to pitch WorldCoin. The company's messaging goes to great lengths to depict both a charitable project and an opportunity for immense profits, a deeply troubling two step Altman also pursued with OpenAI. It is the apotheosis of Silicon Valley's dangerous delusion that it can both get rich and make the world a better place through the mass harvesting of data. The danger of that self-aggrandizing mindset has become more and more clear as WorldCoin goes from proposal to practice. Even in this early stage, it is planting the seeds of global havoc and mass exploitation under the guise of Western generosity. MIT Technology Review interviewed dozens of participants in the early WorldCoin onboarding process going on right now in 24 countries, including 14 developing nations. Their findings were damning. Our investigation revealed wide gaps between WorldCoin's public messaging, which focused on protecting privacy and what users experience. We found that the company's representatives used deceptive marketing practices, collected more personal data than it acknowledged, and failed to obtain meaningful informed consent. These practices may violate the European Union's general data protection regulations, a likelihood that the company's own data consent policy acknowledged and asked users to accept, as well as local laws. Meanwhile, in China, a black market for biometric iris data had reportedly emerged among users hoping to join WorldCoin's wallet app, and it seems likely collect WorldCoin rewards. um, According to sellers, the data comes from developing countries like Cambodia and Kenya. In other words, WorldCoin's fundamental model is already incentivizing privacy harms. This isn't just a moral question either, GDPR in particular is a very serious set of laws with immense fines attached to violations, and while WorldCoin has downplayed the risk, their reliance on an army of orb handlers to onboard customers means manipulations will inevitably continue. That completely undermines WorldCoin's promise to solve digital identity. I'm reminded of a 70s-era cartoon from a Playboy magazine clandestinely acquired in my teenage years. The one-panel gag showed two lovers awkwardly entangled in hotel room bedsheets. Wedding rings on the nightstand implied they're having an affair. The woman, whose exaggerated face conveys deep ennui, gets the punchline. Sam Darling, not only is this immoral, you're doing it badly. The $115 million fundraising round was led by a firm called Blockchain Capital. In conjunction with the announcement Blockchain Capital general partner Spencer Bogart, Uh, posted a short twitter thread explaining the rationale for the investment The thread is cringingly vacuous and intentionally or not quite deceptive Bogart opens by saying he has completely changed my mind about his prior belief that worldcoin was some dystopian Orwellian nightmare and a noxious combination of hardware, biometrics, crypto, and AI. But in the subsequent thread, Bogart offers absolutely zero rebuttal of those concerns. Instead, he simply argues that WorldCoin is the most compelling solution we've seen to the decades-old Sybil problem, that is the digital world's vulnerability to impersonation. Given that he offers no reassurances about the downsides of this compelling solution, Bogart's implicit argument is that putting The biometric information of disempowered people in the developing world at immense and fundamental risk is a worthwhile trade-off for solving digital identity. This is particularly regrettable because it seems to overlook a vastly superior set of identity solutions being pursued across the crypto ecosystem by people far more genuinely focused on getting it right than Sam Altman appears to be. They include decentralized privacy-preserving and user-controlled solutions that would lead to vastly better outcomes in the long run. But they're hard to explain. While Worldcoin's pitch goes down easy, as long as you don't think too hard about it. And I would have to agree with everything that he says in this in this piece. Um, It's uh, pretty amazing and and sad, um, and that you know truly, the solution is for online uh, identity is is a decentralized system where you control the information um and then you give people permission to view it but they can't take it you know that that would be uh the I think the right future course Okay and the next article here is um from Bitcoin magazine this is another opinion piece from Connor Chepnik uh, this was posted on May 26th, Uh piece is entitled, Tax Attacks Won't Kill Bitcoin, Regulators Must Learn to Accept New Technology, and uh, this is an opinion editorial by Connor Chetnik, an organizer for the Mass Adoption Bitcoin Meetup. Congressman Brad Sherman's recent tweet attacking Bitcoiners as tax evaders is a prime example of how Bitcoin has become a mainstream phenomenon. It's ironic that politicians like Sherman, who have sworn an oath to uphold the Constitution and the presumption of innocence, are so quick to label Bitcoin supporters as criminals without any evidence. Such remarks undermine the fundamental principles of justice and fairness that underpin our legal system. The fact that politicians like sherman are attacking bitcoin serves as a signal to those on the fence that there may be something to this freedom money that is constantly under attack by those who are corrupt and compromised by legacy systems in a way even those who attack bitcoin may be unwittingly working for its success and adoption and clearly politicians are expecting bitcoiners to shoulder some kind of tax burden that they do not impose on anyone else Imagine if a politician tried to tax people for using computational power to do math or use English to express their views. They would be ridiculed and mocked because on top of that being an insane policy, both of these subjects are essential to a functional society. Instead of imposing arbitrary taxes, the government should focus on creating a regulatory environment that supports innovation and economic growth. Unfortunately, in opposition to that seemingly obvious edict, The Biden administration has proposed a 30% tax on Bitcoin mining, which is not only unfair, but also hypocritical to the values that make the United States great. If a market participant is paid for their energy, they should be free to use it as they wish. So why is Bitcoin mining being targeted when other industries such as pornography, video games, or gambling also use energy to allow people to indulge in their vices online. I'm not vying for a tax on other industries. I firmly believe that if a market participant is paid for their energy, they can do whatever they want with it. My intent is to point out that this proposal seems to be a clear example of government overreach and intervention in the private sector. And it's not just Bitcoin mining that's being targeted. This is the entire Bitcoin network. When new and innovative ideas challenge the status quo, both humans and technology can exhibit resistance or embrace the change. Technology mimics many things about human biology, including the way we respond to change. Established industries or entities may resist new technologies to protect their own interests, just like how our immune system responds to foreign pathogens to protect our body. However, just as humans can adapt to changing environments, technology can also evolve and adapt to better serve our needs. People can either fight against Bitcoin or embrace it, but either way, this technology is changing the world rapidly. It's important to remember that new technology, including Bitcoin, is not inherently bad, but rather a tool that can be used for both good and bad purposes. Instead of fighting against progress, we should embrace the opportunities that new technology provides and work together to shape a better future. Sherman's tweet may not win him any votes, but it shows his lack of understanding and respect for the rights of his constituents. The comparison between a technology network and human biology may seem unconventional, but it provides valuable insights into the evolution of growth of new technologies like Bitcoin. Kevin Kelly's book, What Technology Wants, highlights the importance of this. There are three quotes that really stood out to me technologies do not exist in isolation but rather in networks that amplify their power and reach innovation is a team sport and the best innovations are produced by networks of people working together the more interconnected our technologies become the more emergent properties they exhibit and the harder they are to predict or control Technology is always evolving based on human needs. It starts with a small idea and then grows into something larger than anyone could have imagined. This evolution is not always linear as new technologies often emerge from existing technologies. These networks grow exponentially faster as new technologies enable stuff we never thought possible. FaceTime would seem magical to someone a hundred years ago in the same way that a medical device that can regenerate limbs for people would seem magical in the modern day. I assume That type of technology will come someday, and with it many more innovations that I could never have hoped to imagine until I saw them. But just like humans, technology has its own set of rules and laws. We have to follow these rules to make the most out of technology's potential. Imagine if someone called a conference about TCPIP a conference for gang members. It would seem ridiculous, especially from the politician who should be encouraging innovation in their district. Attacking people because they enjoy using a protocol is insane. However, if your job was dedicated to maintaining legacy Technology and adopting new technology could make you irrelevant. I suppose you wouldn't react favorably Toward the new technology either In the end, we're all part of the network of technology whether we like it or not We must embrace the evolution of technology and understand its potential to shape the world for the better We are at the beginning of all the things that will be built on these new protocols, so it is up to us to harness their power and make the most out of their potential. I can't say I know for a fact that Bitcoin is going well above a million dollars, but I think it's pretty damn possible and that as more network effects get added, both in meat space and cyberspace, the more likely it becomes. And then he's got a quote here. When Zero reached Europe roughly three hundred years later in the high Middle Ages, it was met with strong ideological resistance. Facing opposition from users of the well-established Roman numeral system, Zero struggled to gain ground in Europe. And that's a quote from Robert Love, The Number Zero in Bitcoin. Uh actually a really interesting um podcast if you if you want to check it out. Now the idea of not using zero in math is just a non-starter. It seems highly likely Bitcoin will have a similar fate as zero, and the idea of not using Bitcoin and all the things built on top of it will be preposterous. Just look at Noster for an example. There's no way the protocol would have thrived had it not been for both Bitcoin and Bitcoiners bringing so much value into the network. I believe a similar effect will take place for more innovations around the world, whether regulators understand Bitcoin or not. So uh, again, I can't disagree with anything he's saying here. I think, um, you know, uh, Bitcoin will continue to exist and, um, you know, it's still around and it's going to be around and it'll just be up to uh, governments to decide uh, whether they want to embrace it or not. And uh, it it will just naturally go wherever it's treated best in the world um and then last i just wanted to highlight this week's blog post um it's a pretty important one because there's been a lot of talk uh this past week about ledger and some issues with the firmware update that they were trying to put through that had some <clears throat> security concerns and then there was another uh, piece about somebody that was able to hack into a Trezor uh, hardware wallet and uh, expose the, the passcode and the um, uh, private key. Um, and so I did a little research on that and did a write-up in the in uh, the blog post this week on that. It's entitled, Why Multi-Signature is Important for Cold Storage. Uh, and subtitled recent security vulnerability concerns with ledger and treasure wallets are less of an issue in a multi-sig setup. So anyway, it goes into the details of the, the two security, um, concerns. And it really just talks about the fact that in a multi-sig, uh, setup, even if one of your hardware wallets was somehow compromised, lost, stolen, hacked, whatever, uh, you can't move the coins without, second one so if you have a two out of three as long as you have the two you can move the coins Uh, the third one could be could be disabled and and you're not hosed so um, anyway check it out if you get a chance i'll put a link in the show notes and um, uh, hopefully you find it useful So that'll wrap it up for this week. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please like, leave a comment. Also, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss an episode. And uh, please feel free to share it with your friends if you like what I'm doing every week. You can follow my Substack. It's at bitcoinfortress.substack.com. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter. My handle is at Nick Reichert. And uh, also, if you're listening uh, on a podcast, you might want to check out Fountain, uh, where you can earn sats for listening. I think you get something like 60 sats a day or something just for listening to podcasts. Sometimes it's more, sometimes it's less, but uh, it's a great way to stack sats. And that's it. I'll talk to you all next week. Bye-bye.